It's good to see everybody out. I'm glad to be here and invite you to get your Bibles and follow along as we open the Word of the Lord. We hope and trust that our study will be beneficial as we look at a kind of a basic concept, but an important concept, and uh, that is the question of music in the worship. Sometimes people will ask, uh, you folks down there in Church of Christ, do you all have music in worship? And the answer is yes, and the answer is no. Wait a minute. Is it yes or is no? No. If, you, if you're asked, do you have music in worship, the answer is yes, and the answer is no. And the reason you have to answer that way because you have to define music. Because if you define music, here we go. Uh, music is defined as the art of arranging sounds and time so as to produce a continuous, unified, and evocative composition as through melody, harmony, <coughs> excuse me, rhythm, and timbre. Vocal or instrumental sounds possessing a degree of melody, harmony, or rhyme. So if they, somebody says, do you all have music in, in, in Church of Christ? The answer is yes. Vocal music. We do. We have vocal music. Do you have music? That is, if you're referring to instrumental music, the answer is no. We don't have instruments of music in worship. And so... That's, of course, the definition of music. So that's our topic, uh, the idea of music in worship. All right, vocal music. That's what we read about in the New Testament that we are to have. And let's just look at the verses that talks about and teaches us that we're to have the scene, this vocal music, in, in our worship. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 30, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. We continue on there in the book of Acts 16 and verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God, and the prisoners heard them. We continue on, Romans 15 and verse 9. And the Gentile, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. For this cause I will confess you to the, uh, confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. Let's notice on 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 15. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Notice Colossians 3 verse 16, very similar. Uh, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing uh, with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And then notice there in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 12, saying, I will declare your name to my brothers in the middle or the midst of the church will I sing praise to you. And then notice there in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And one more passage, James 5 and verse 13, Is any among you afflicted? Let him praise. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. So there we have several verses that talks about that we're to have singing vocal music in our worship in our adoration to god and so there you have uh, the verses that talk about having singing or vocal music in our worship service all right so let's talk about this of why we oppose instruments of music in worship why, why, why is it that we oppose first off we're going to talk about the negative side why we oppose and it's not because why do we oppose instruments of music? Well, it's not because that we have no appreciation for mechanical instruments of music. I like mechanical instruments of music. And occasionally I'll be traveling around 
And uh, like when I was down in Columbia, South America, we were in Arcacelas, near Villa Vicencio. And uh, anyway, talking with Fabian and his family, his oldest daughter, uh, Nicole, she is like full of talent. When it came to electronics, she was great in helping the connections and et cetera. And, and she like learning English and she can really sing well. And we went by to visit at the house and she has an actual harp and she played and I like recorded it. It was like a private concert. I, I really enjoyed that. The, the harp is a, a difficult instrument and she did really well. For 13 years old, she did really well. It's not because we don't appreciate uh, instruments of music. That, that's not the reason why we oppose it. And it's not because we can't afford an instrument or instruments in the worship service. That, that's not the reason why we oppose it. Uh, I remember Connie Adams talking about this one time, and he was talking about preaching at a place, and there was somebody, they'd noticed that we didn't have a, uh, there was no piano or organ or anything, and, and, and they offered to buy a piano, offered to buy an organ, because they just thought, well, these folks, they just couldn't afford it. Well, that's not the reason. I'm sure we could afford it and come up with the money and would be no problem. And it's not because of some mere ecclesiastical tradition, that that's just sort of a Church of Christ thing, that we just sort of just had this for a long time and we just keep, keep it up just to kind of for, just sort of be different. Man, that's not the reason either. And it's not because we don't have no one that's able to play an instrument. I'm sure most invariably in various congregations there's people that's musically talented. It, it wouldn't be me if, if we had an instrument, it wouldn't be me playing it. I can play the radio. I feel like I can play FM and AU. So I'm, I'm multi-talented on that. But no, I'm, I'm sure there's somebody that can play an instrument of music, but that's not the reason because, you know, we just don't have anybody that can play the instrument. And it's not because we're just simply trying to be contentious, quarrelsome, just to be argumentative, and we just like to stir up trouble and, and uh, create trouble over this. That's not the reason. And it's not because we're just ignorant. We just don't know any better. I remember when I first started attending the Expressway Congregation, the Expressway uh, Church of Christ there in Louisville, and uh, the girl I was dating, her dad, he was one of the deacons, and anyway, I remember him saying, now if you notice anything different, uh, you got any questions, you just, you just ask me about that. And we'll be happy to look at that. And I really didn't notice anything because I'd never really gone to church anywhere, just a couple of times. And so I was talking to my buddy, and he said, uh, I told him what Roland Tips had said. And he said, yeah, you know, they don't have a piano. And I thought, boy, they don't have a piano. And so the next time I saw Roland, I said, Roland, you said if I had any questions just to ask you. I said, you don't have a piano, an organ, and why is that? And he said, well, we just, we don't have no Bible authority for it. And if you could find Bible authority, he said, we'll, we'll just bring it in next Sunday. Now, I did not say it, but I thought to myself, you just didn't look really careful about that. Because it surely, it's, it's found everywhere in the scriptures. I mean, if you just search, you're, you're going to find it in the Bible. And that really wasn't the case. Because after I was converted, I was convinced in my mind, that instruments of music, and I was bent on trying to prove the matter. I mean, I thought, you know, they, these were just ignorant people, and they didn't look, and so I was set, setting out to prove that. But really, it's not a matter of ignorance. And really, the, the people that are ignorant on this topic is those who are ignorant of history. Because there's some interesting quotes in, in uh, history. Uh, for instance, 
Our church does not use musical instruments as harps and solitaries to praise God with all that she may seem to Judaize. You think, boy, that, that probably sounds church Christ preacher. Well, actually, no, it was this fellow named Thomas Aquinas in the 13th century. He was a Catholic scholar. Isn't that interesting? Let me give you another quote of history. What a de degradation to supplant the intelligent song of the whole congregation by the theatrical prettiness of a quartet of bellows and pipes. We might, as, we might as well pray by machinery as to praise by it. Well, who could have said something like that? Charles Spurgeon. He was over in England. He was a Baptist preacher. Let me look at another quote of history. I have no objection to instruments of music in our chapel, that is, in the church building, provided they are neither seen nor heard. Or neither heard nor seen. Converted that. Same point. I, I, I kind of like this guy. He's got a sense of humor. Ah, uh, who, who could write something like that? Is that, is that, is that one of these, 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 these gospel preachers in the Church of Christ? No, actually, the fellow named John Wesley in the Methodist Church. Isn't that enlightening? That you look back in history... Actually, who, who really is ignorant on this, this topic? Actually, instruments of music is, is a relatively new thing in denominations. Let me look at another quote. Musical instruments and celebrating the praises of God is no more suitable than the burning of incense, the lighting of lamps, the restoration of other shadows of the law. The papists, that are talking about the popes, uh, therefore have foolishly borrowed this as well as many other things from the Jews. This is a fellow named John Calvin of the Presbyterian Church. Yeah, well, why do we oppose? Why do we oppose instruments of music? Well, the simple answer is it lacks Bible authority. We have no Bible authority that gives us authorization to include and to have instruments of music in praise and adoration to God. That's, that's the reason. It's like I was talking to a fellow one time, and he said, why, why don't you all have instruments of music? His wife was a member of the church, and well, growing up he was. But he said, and don't say Ephesians 5.19 or Colossians 3.16. He said, if I hear that again, I'm going to bust. I said, well, you're not going to hear from me, because that's not the answer. Why do we not have instruments of music and worship? Well, because it lacks Bible authority. If you look at Bible authority, we have the circle that is representing the law of Christ, representing the teaching or the doctrine of Christ, representing the will of Christ, the will of God. It's a circle. It's a contained unit. That is, when you look at the Bible, it's a, it's a contained unit. It's not something that's just way out there and it just goes anywhere it wants to. No, it's a contained unit. It has a certain number of pages. It has 27 books in the New Testament. And uh, so here's our standard of authority is right here in the Word of God. We have to have Bible authority. We can look at this from the negative and the positive aspect. First off, look at 2 John and verse 9. 2 John, the first First, uh, the little epistle of John, only one chapter. Look there in verse 9. It says, Whosoever transgresses, that is, goes beyond, and stays not in the doctrine of Christ, has not God. He that stays in the doctrine of Christ, he has both the Father and the Son. So there it says that if we get outside the teachings of Christ, doing something without authority, we don't have God. If we bring in instruments of music, we're doing it without authority. We're not, if we're going to do it, it's going to be by the authority of men. It's not going to be by the authority of Christ, because if it was by the authority of Christ, you could give a book, a chapter, and a verse. You would be able to show from the Scriptures. 
Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. Jesus says, Not everyone that saith to many, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out demons, and in your name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye who work iniquity. That's important, that, that word iniquity. Why were these people rejected? Because they worked iniquity. What is iniquity? I've asked different people, both here and abroad, what's the definition of iniquity? Well, it's sin. Well, that's true. Iniquity is sin, but that's not really the definition of the word iniquity. Well, it's something that's bad. Well, it is bad, but that's not the definition of the word iniquity. The word iniquity means without law. Lawlessness. Other translations just simply translates the phrase lawlessness. That's the significance. Doing things without law. That is doing things without divine authority. And if you asked uh, the question, can we have instruments of music in worship? No. Because it would be a work of iniquity. Lawlessness without authority. We have no authority in the scriptures, in the will of God, that authorizes and gives permission to use instruments of music in worship. Now, Let's look at it from the positive perspective. Colossians 3 and verse 17. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name, or that is by the authority, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks unto the Father by him. So whatever we do, word or deed, well, that takes about everything in. Word or deed, we're to do in the name that is by the authority of Jesus Christ. So we would raise the question, where does the authority of Christ it's contained here in the scriptures. Where do we find in the scriptures that gives us authorization to have instruments of music and worship? We found and began our study by looking at several verses that authorizes vocal music. Where did we find any verses that authorizes mechanical instruments of music? Instrumental music. Didn't find any. Because they're not there to authorize the use of instruments of music in worship. Let's look at it from this perspective. In the book of Romans chapter 12, in Romans chapter 12, notice there in verse 2, Paul says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove. Did you hear that? Prove. Did he say assume? No. Did he say just guess at it? No. Did he say just take it for granted that that's the way it is? No. He says that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, you've got to prove something is God's will. Well, you're going to open the Bible and show it from the scriptures. That's how, you, that's how you prove something. And that was one of the early verses that I came across. And I understood that even though I wasn't no student of the scriptures. I knew enough to say, okay, yeah, well, you've got to prove it. You just can't assume that it's so. And so that that after my conversion, I was bent on trying to prove, not assume, but to prove. And so I would study and I'd, I'd go back to services and I'd, I'd talk to some of the brethren, to be different ones, and I'd bring up some argument to try to justify instruments of music, and they would just walk me through that, the fallacy of my reasoning. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And then I'd go back studying some more. And then I'd come back with this argument, and they'd show me the fallacy of that. Okay, well, sense too and, that, that, that isn't. and after about three four months I finally concluded that you can't prove using instruments of music in worship today in the Old Testament yeah you can show that but for the New Testament no there's no proof there and then in 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 <clears throat> notice there in 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 uh, real quick same point it says prove all things hold fast that which is good 
Don't assume all things. Don't assume anything. In fact, prove all things is the exhortation of the scriptures. You see, we are bound by the law of Christ. There in Matthew chapter 17, you remember the transfiguration that he takes Peter uh, and James and John. They go up into the mountain and Jesus transfigures and he's like this bright light and they're like, oh, they're like, and then when it all calms down, there's Jesus and there's Moses and there's Elijah. Now Moses and Elijah represent the law and the prophets, that is the Old Testament law. And as uh, they're kind of conversing back and forth and uh, the various things that are said when you put all the accounts together, there's this, this cloud that overshadows and this, this cloud, and then they hear this voice from heaven. And what does this what does voice say? Well, it's God speaking. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. He didn't say, hear ye them. Ah, you just listen to Jesus, and you listen to Moses, and you listen to Elijah, and you just listen to all of them. That is, you, you just listen to all that they have to say. Moses, the law, the prophets, uh, Jesus. I mean, just take it all in because that's who you're to listen to. No, that's not what God said. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Whose beloved son? God's beloved son. Who is the beloved son? Well, it's Jesus. And who did he say listen to? He said listen to Jesus. That's why we have to turn to the scriptures, the New Testament scripture, to find and to prove the use of instruments of music and worship. Problem is, you're not going to find it. It's just not there. Sometimes people say, well, what about the silence of God? I mean, isn't the silence of God per, uh, permissive? And the answer, well, actually, no, it's not. Notice there in the book of Hebrews chapter 8. In Hebrews chapter 8, and there in number 4, it says, For if he were on earth, that is speaking of Jesus, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests, uh, that offer gifts according to the law. Well, why couldn't Jesus be a priest? Was there something in the Old Testament that said that descendants of Judah could not be priests? I mean, was there some specific uh, uh, statement that said, you shall not make priests of the tribe of Judah? No. Look back in chapter 7. Look there in chapter 7 and number 14. In Hebrews chapter 7 and number 14, <clears throat> Uh, the Hebrew writer says and points out, uh, For it is evident that the Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. You see, Moses said you're to take priest of the tribe of Levi. He did not have to say, well, you shall not take priest of the tribe of Judah, and you shall not take priest of the tribe of Naphtali, and you shall not take priest of the tribe of Asher, and just go right on down the line. He didn't do that. He didn't have to do that. And you know the thing about authority, we, we understand that. We, we understand that in everyday practice all the time. You go to uh, a, a tire center, go across the street, go up the street, go well, any number of places to some shop, and you say, could you put me a set of tires on? And I'll drop off the car, and I'll be back this afternoon to get it. So you go back to get your, uh, get your vehicle, and they say the bill is $1,500 and uh, $1,527.33. $1,500 for a set of tires? Are you kidding me? Why is it so much? Well, we put on tires, and we change the spark plugs, and we change the radiator fluid, and we give it an oil change, and we give it a lube job, and just go through a whole list of things. And you're going to say, well, wait a minute. 
I didn't say do all those things. I said just put me a set of tires on. Well, you didn't say not to. You didn't say don't change the oil. And you didn't say don't change the radiator fluid. And you didn't say don't change the spark plug. You don't have to. You gave authorization for one thing. That is, change the tire. We understand the concept of authority and authorization. It'd be the same thing. You go to Walmart and you just got one item, right? You can buy on the cell phone. They go beep. You know, it's in a box and they beep it. And then all of a sudden they start taking out other items and beep. And they bring out all these things from under the counter. Beep, 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 beep. You're like, whoa, hold on. Whoa, wait a minute. Whoa. I'm, only buying, I'm, only, I'm only authorizing the cell phone. Well, you didn't say don't buy a remote control, don't buy a new cable, don't buy a battery charger, don't buy a flashlight. I mean, just go through a whole list of things. You don't have to. When you put that up on, the, up on the belt and it comes down to the attendant, that's all you're authorizing that you're going to buy. We understand authority. And so it is with God. So that's why we don't have instruments of music. We just don't have Bible authority. And just as Roland Tip said years ago, it's the same today. If you can find Bible authority for mechanical instruments of music worship, I'll be first to say, hey, yeah, let's get a piano, let's get an organ or a guitar or whatever. No problem. But without Bible authority, well, we better not be doing that and leaving the doctrine of Christ. All right, let's look at some arguments that are made for the instrument because there's plenty of them. And I used about all of these and went through them. All right, first off, well, what about David? Didn't David use instruments in music? Weren't they taught in the Old Testament? Sure. Look at Psalm 150 in verse 3. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the solitary and harp. Praise him with the tremble. Praise him, uh, uh, with, the, uh, praise him with dance. And praise him with the uh, string instruments and organs. Yeah, it's, it specifies in Psalm, 1, Psalm 150 and other texts in the Old Testament. What's the problem there? problem is that's Old Testament. Let's listen to the law and the prophets. Remember, God said... This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Listen to him. Now where did Jesus teach us to have instruments of music and worship? Paul talked about how the Judaizers were uh, trying to include instrumental music uh, among other things. Uh, uh, excuse me. Circumcision among other things. And so Paul says in the book of Galatians chapter 5 verse 3. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law. If you're going to go back and take part of the Old Testament, the consequence is... You're obligated to do all the Old Testament law. You just can't go back and pick and choose the ones that, that we want to buy. I mean, if you can pick up instrumental music, you could pick up the lighting of candles. You could pick up the burning of incense. You could pick up animal sacrifice, uh, binding the Sabbath day, uh, the tithe. I mean, just any number of Old Testament laws. You could just go through and find all kinds of Old Testament laws. But we're not under Old Testament law. We're under the law of Christ. Here's another argument that's made. Well, where does God say thou shalt not? Well, he doesn't specifically say thou shalt not use instruments of music. Anymore does God say thou shalt not have ice cream and cake for the Lord's Supper. Bible don't say that either. Bible don't say have, uh, you know, Coca-Cola and, and uh, you know, pizza for the Lord's Supper. Bible doesn't say that. But in principle, it is forbidden because 2 John said to abide in the teachings of Christ. And if we go beyond the teachings of Christ, we don't have God. 
Or Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, prove what is the perfect and good, perfect and good will of God. Not assume it, but to prove it, and with a lack of proof, therefore it would be a transgression of God's will. God doesn't have to give a specific thou shalt not. He didn't give a specific thou shalt not have a priest of the tribe of Judah. He says, get, get the priest of the tribe of Levi. Just like he tells us to eat the bread and drink the cup. He specified when he wanted. It's just like when he told Noah to build the ark of gopher wood. He didn't say, well, don't build it of oak and don't build it of pine, don't build it of hickory, don't build it of, of locusts, etc. He didn't have to. He just said, build the ark out of gopher wood. Ah, then somebody says, what about these various texts that mentions instruments of music? All right, well, let's just look at the, some of those. All right, in Luke chapter 12, or Luke chapter 15, excuse me, there in verse 22, talking about the prodigal son, that he comes back. And so the father says, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet and bring here the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat, drink and be merry. For this my son was dead and now he's alive. And they begin to make merry. And the older brother, he gets near to the house and he hears the music and dancing. What about that? Well, if that would justify instruments of music, what about having a killing a fatted calf service? Could we have that? I mean, this is part of the parable of just telling a story. The story is about how we ought to rejoice when uh, people come to repentance. That's, that's the point. You can't, take, you can't take little details out of that because then you could, like, prove anything and everything. And what proves too much really proves nothing. That, 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 that is true. Notice there in Luke chapter 14. Not Luke. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And notice there in verses 7 and 8. Uh, Paul says, And even things without life giving sound, whether it be pipe or harp, except to give a distinction of sounds, how can it be known whether it's piped or harp? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? Well, Paul's just using an illustration. You know, talking about what's to be uh, involved in worship service. He's just using an illustration. But like Paul talks about the Lord's coming as a thief in the night, as an illustration. Does that mean we can be thieves in the night and we go out stealing in the night? No, it's just an illustration making a point. And the point is that Paul is making here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and that is there's got to be a distinction of sound uh, using instruments of music. And if not, you, you just, it would just be sound. You, it would be uh, unintelligible. That, that's the point, that we need to have understanding. Whether we pray or whether we sing, we need to have understanding. And then notice there in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, there in verses uh, 24 and following, Paul says, Know you not that they that run a race run all, but one receives the prize, so run that you may obtain. And everyone that uh, strives for the mastery or contends in the game is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beats the air. I, Paul, is using the illustration of ath athletic competition. Does that somehow justify having athlete, athletic competitions in worship? Making athletic competition part of the work of the church? No, he just uses an illustration to say, you know, people that are involved in athletics, Olympics or whatever, they really work hard at it. Point is that, well, we got to really work hard and show temperance in all things and our service to the Lord. Ah, so I said, what about if you have music in your home? I mean, if you listen to the music, if you turn on... Uh, you know, it's kind of like if you have, if you got 
cable TV or satellite TV. It's like they got all these music channels. We hardly ever listen to them. You pay for them, but we hardly ever listen to them. But, you know, sometimes if you want to listen to them, that's fine. Or get on YouTube and listen to uh, various songs, uh, plays instruments of music, etc. Any problem there? No, I mean, no problem there. But that's in the home. That's what individuals are doing. Just like if you want to make money and go into business as an individual. Problem there either. But that is that the work of the church to be involved in, in money-making schemes and, and businesses and start operating a church business? Well, no. There's a difference between what individuals do and what the church does. We don't have authority for the church to be involved in the use of mechanical instruments or music in worship. Vocal music, yeah, we, we're fully authorized to have that. Somebody says, well, it's just an expedient. It's just an aid. All right, let's look at that concept of aids and expediencies. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, down in number uh, 12, Paul says, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Now, for something to be an expedient or an aid, it has to expedite or aid something that is lawful. Like, for instance, the songbook, right? We are authorized, we're author we're authorized to have singing. We have a songbook, that is, it aids us in singing songs. See, carrying out the will of God. This book is simply an A. It's an expedient. It's like the microphone. Well, a microphone, a PA system, is just simply to amplify the voice so everybody is able to hear. It's important that we hear. If you don't hear, how can you, how can you learn? How can you be taught? So we have a, a PA system, and that's to uh, carry out uh, the command to teach and instruct. It's simply an A. The problem with uh, this argument in reference to instruments of music, a piano would be an aid, an expedient, to expedite something that is unlawful, an unauthorized activity. Mechanical instruments of music. Instrumental music. See, the two kinds of music. Remember in the definition, two kinds of music. Vocal music. We're authorized to do that. Mechanical instrument, uh, mechanical uh, music, not authorized to do that. So the piano would be an uh, expedient to expedite something that is unlawful. No, Paul says, all things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. To talk about expedient, you're talking about expediting or aiding the carrying out of that which is lawful. So that's not an argument to justify instruments of music. Somebody says, ah, well, what about that passage over there in Ephesians 5? There in Ephesians 5, verse 19, where Paul says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody, making melody, making music in your heart to the Lord. Right there, making music in your heart to the Lord. Well, we'll just, we'll just grant. It says making melody, but we'll just say making music. Okay, we'll, we'll say that, that, that that's okay. But where does it say to make the music? Does it say make, make music with your fingers? Is that what it said? Make, make music with your lips that you're blowing on some trumpet? Is that what it said? No, it did not. It says making music, yeah, there's the singing. And it says making melody, making music. That, where does he say to do that? In your heart to the Lord. We're to sing and we're to make melody or to make the music in our hearts. You see, that doesn't justify instruments of music in worship. 
Because it says, make the melody in your heart. Something else. Who does Paul, who is Paul addressing there? He says, speaking to yourself. He's addressing the church at, uh, at Ephesus. He's addressing the whole congregation. He's, he's talking to all the congregation. He didn't say, you sing or make music. That is, some of you want, might want to sing, and then some of you can play on an instrument of music. That's not, that's not what it said. It didn't say singing or making music. That is, trying to justify instrumental music. That's not, that's not what it, that's, it doesn't read that way. What he says, he says to all, and he tells all the Christians to sing and make melody. Now, we can all sing and make melody. That is, in our hearts. We can do that. But if making, mu- making melody means making music on a mechanical instrument of music, then we're all obligated to sing and to play. What do we see in denominations? Well, generally, maybe one or two. Some have a, a full band, so they'll have several. But generally, in most places, they'll have one, one or two persons playing a guitar or playing the piano or playing the organ. Everybody else does the singing, but only one or two do the, the actual playing. The verse says, singing and making melody in your heart. Everybody's obligated to do that. If that means playing on instrument, then we all must sing and play. Well, that would kind of leave out trumpets, because how are you going to sing while you're blowing on a trumpet? Because the same mouth has got to do both. I mean, you blow to make the trumpet work, but then you've got to sing, and you've got to use your mouth to sing. So, you see, that, that would be impossible. See the quagmire? See, what proves too much really proves nothing. It's a fallacious argument. But we can, everybody can sing, and everybody can make melody in your heart. Yeah, we can strum the strings of our heart as we uh, worship the Lord. Somebody says, what about these harps in heaven that the book of Revelation talks about? Well, let's just look at those verses. In the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 5, notice there in number 8. Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down uh, before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vows of, uh, full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Then notice there in chapter 14, in chapter 14, there in number 2, it says, And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with, her, with their harps. And then in chapter 15 and verse 2, And I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten victory over the beast and over his image, and over the mark and over uh, the number of his name, on the sea of glass having the harps of God. So we read three verses that talks about these harps in heaven. What about that? Does that justify music, uh, mechanical instrument music in our worship? Well, first off, we notice from chapter 1 in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave to him to show to his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified. He signified it by the angel to his servant John. Signifies, an ideal to signify. The book of Revelation is full of much symbolic language. There's the first hurdle we're going to have to deal with where it talks about these harps in these three verses, Revelation 5, 14, and 15. Could it be symbolic or is it literal? See, that, that, that's, that's one hurdle we're going to have to get over. Second off, if you notice in all those verses that we read, let's go back and look at them. Revelation 5, verse 8, 
Verse 9 says, And they, sing, they sung a new song. Look there in chapter 14 and verse 3, after talking about the, uh, the voice of the harpers harping with their harp. And they sung, as it were, a new song. Notice there in chapter 15, after talking about having the harps of God, verse 3, And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and sing the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, etc. The three verses that talks about harps, the very next verse talks about singing. <coughs> Could it possibly be that these harps are just symbolic? Signify, signify, singing. Yeah, that seems to follow. And then here's another question. We read in these verses about harps, but how many in the Namish actually use a harp? It's like almost nil. Unless you have a full orchestra, it's nil. It's always a piano or an organ or possibly uh, guitars. Very seldom would you find, well, it would be a, a full orchestra to have a harp. I mean, they want to read about the harp, but then nobody ever uses harps. See the problem there? And the biggest problem, uh, well, before I get to that one, one other problem, uh, there in Matthew chapter 22. In Matthew chapter 22, notice there in verse 30, where Jesus is talking about the resurrection. He says, For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. Well, we have marriages here on earth, but when you get to heaven, you don't have marriages. If we look at Revelation, where it talks about these harps, that's in heaven. How does that prove that we can do it here on earth? See the problem there? There's a quagmire there. You think, well, if it's done in heaven, you can do it on earth. Well, well, we marry here on earth. Well, why can't we get married in heaven? I mean, if, if, it, if, it, if, it, if, if it's allowed in one, it's surely going to be allowed in the other. It's allowed that we get married, given in marriage, here on earth. But when we get to heaven, we, we're not going to marry. Nor are we going to be given in marriage. You see, you see the quagmire? And when you make the assumption, if it's done in heaven, it's going to be done on earth. If it's done on earth, it's going to be in heaven. It doesn't follow. And here's the biggest problem. Because when you read about them playing the harp, they're all playing harps. The harpers are harping. If that's somehow supposed to justify mechanical instruments or music, then everybody is required to play a harp. See the problem? We're all going, we're all going to have to start playing harps to, to follow uh, the teachings there if that's supposed to be literal harps. And since it's done in heaven, it's supposed to be done here on earth, and that authorizes it. You see the problem? What proves too much really proves nothing. That doesn't justify. And so the argument falls down. All these arguments, they fall down, and they're faulty. So it comes back. Where does the Bible give us authorization? Where does the Bible teach and give us biblical proof from the Scriptures ready to listen? I've asked people through the years. I studied, I studied, three, I studied three, maybe four months on this topic. And I was sincere. I thought, I thought there surely has got to be authority for it. But ultimately, I'm including there's just no authority. Now, if you can show it, hey, I'm, I'm open. I'm open. I'm, I'm ready to change. I changed my mind. Uh, I believed at one time that, yeah, well, surely we could have instruments of music and worship, and then I changed my mind because there was no proof. Now, I couldn't find it. Now, maybe you've, you've got the passages. Maybe you've got some text. You don't have to have five texts. You don't have to have five verses. Just one verse, just one verse is sufficient. But where is it? 
Don't just assume it. Prove it. Don't just say, well, we're going to do it and, and hope that it's okay. I, 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 you know, I don't want to be on, on that kind of shaky ground. Because if we go beyond the teachings of Christ, we don't have God. That's what John said. I want to stay within the teachings of God's word so we can have both the Father and the Son. All right, listen attentively. Let's extend God's plan of salvation. God tells us that we're to hear this good news. We're to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection, the fundamentals of the gospel talked about there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're to repent as God commands that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. We're to confess Jesus before men just like the eunuch did when he confessed his faith before men. We're to be baptized, which is an immersion. We've got a pool of water. We've got garments for you to change into it. Everything convenient that you can obey the gospel even this night. You come up out of that watery grave after obeying these simple steps in faith and obedience with all your heart. You will be a Christian. You will be forgiven. And you rise to walk in newness of life. Grow and be faithful is the exhortation. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. And then if we do err, we've got that second law of pardon that's talked about in 1 John. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're going to sing this song in your encouragement. If there's one that wants to follow Jesus, we can help in any way. Please come and let us know, and we'll be glad to assist. Come on together as we stand.